Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. The Christmas story. I'm not going to preach too much about Christmas today. When we look at the Christmas story, so much of our narrative of what happened at Christmas comes from Christmas cards, comes from uh, the carols that we sing. And a lot of that, and most of that, is the beauty of all of that is it's based on the Word of God. Shans, who loves watching Christmas movies at this time of year? Who starts rolling all the way through them? Who loves the cheesy Netflix, the worse it is, the better it is kind of Christmas stories? A couple of us, right? I can't stand it, but I'll watch it with Shans because it matters to her. And I want to watch like Marvel and other movies and she'll watch them with me if I watch Christmas movies once a year with her. So, uh, but often... You listen to those, watch those movies, and it's not about Jesus at all. Yet in the background, the theme song are Christmas songs that all point to Jesus. How amazing is that? But often we can then get our narrative wrong from the stories and the cards and the songs that we hear. Like, for example, we often tell the story that there were three wise men. But of course, most of us would realise the Bible actually never says there were three wise men There were just three different types of gifts that they brought and therefore we come to the conclusion there were three wise men. There's a high chance there were many more than three. And by the way, don't just listen to what the stories tell you. There's a high chance the wise men didn't come on Jesus' birth. They probably came around four to five years later, which is why when Herod goes to kill the children, he killed everyone from five years and under because they actually didn't come to his birth. They came later when he was actually a little boy. When we look at the the shepherds for another example, often the stories show old men that are caring for sheep. But if you understand how shepherding would work, and especially in the Middle East and in countries like Israel, etc., is it would often be children that were caring for the sheep and often girls that were actually caring for the sheep, which was Jesus' message right from the beginning to come and proclaim His hope to the least of these, those that were the most ignored and forgotten in society, those that were given the worst of jobs was the first that the angel came to. The songs say, no crying He made. Like Jesus was a baby, a normal baby. He would have cried like every other baby. God didn't give Him no crying powers. He was both God and man. And another one, which I wanna touch on today, is that we often see the story of Mary riding on a donkey. But the truth is, nowhere in the Gospels does it actually mention in the beginning when Jesus was born that there was a donkey. Now, there might've been a donkey, but the reality is there may not have been a donkey that Mary was riding on. The walk from, uh, from where they lived, uh, uh, where Mary and Joseph lived in their hometown to Bethlehem was probably around three days at a slow walking pace. But if you were pregnant and you needed to take some rest, it probably would have taken four to five days to walk from their home to Bethlehem. Now, can I ask you a question, girls? If you've ever been pregnant and you went to the show or a carnival and your husband said, you should ride on that donkey, Would you jump on that donkey? There's no chance you're gonna ride on the donkey. I mean, this is going up like non-paved, uphill, bumpy terrain. The stories and the pictures of Mary riding on a donkey were highly unlikely. Mary probably walked. There might've been a donkey. It just would've carried their possessions. There's a high chance it wouldn't have carried Mary. But donkeys are in the Bible. So I'm gonna talk about them today. See, 
There are several donkeys in the Bible, and one of which we maybe assume was at Jesus' birth, but there was certainly one in the lead up to Jesus' death. And we know that at, when Jesus was about to enter into Jerusalem, Jesus Himself actually rode on a donkey. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us that Jesus rode on a donkey. So let's look at the story before Jesus rode on that donkey because I think the narrative of what the guys had to do to get that donkey, we might be able to relate to as we go into a brand new year and a brand new season. Are you doing well? So it says in Matthew 21, Jesus is about to go to Jerusalem and He needs a donkey. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there <laughs> with her colt by her. Untie her, everyone say untie her and bring them, everyone say them, to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them and He will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Now for a moment, I want us to not just be believing that the disciples were all, always holy and righteous, remembering that Jesus was the Son of God. Remember that they often forgot truly that He was the Son of God and it was only until He resurrected that they fully got a grasp of who He was. So now for a moment, just imagine that Jesus is your boss. Imagine Jesus is your employer. Imagine Jesus is the person you're doing an internship with. Jesus gives the guys a really annoying task. Let's be honest, whoever gets annoyed by their boss, whoever gets annoyed by their spouse, not me, I saw some of those hands though. Whoever gets, whoever, whoever, if we're honest, gets a little bit annoyed by the challenges that God gives to us. Jesus says to his guys, here's the deal, I want you to go get me a donkey and doesn't give them much explanation. He doesn't actually tell them why he needs a donkey. Up until this point, he's actually never needed a donkey. I mean, the disciples have walked for him for th with him for three years and they've got all the way here and now Jesus decides, I wanna ride on a donkey. It feels like this is an unnecessary mission. It feels like it makes no sense that Jesus was fine with walking, but now He won't walk and I have to go to another town and go get Him a donkey. This is the equivalent of your boss asking you for a modern day coffee run. I just feel like a coffee. I've never asked you for this before, but would you go get me one from the shop just because I need it? How come you can't get it yourself? How come you can't use the coffee machine that we've already got? Jesus is asking the guys to do something that doesn't seem to make much sense. And I'll show you this today because often, on the other side, often the supernatural breakthrough that you're wanting often happens on the other side of illogical obedience. God will often ask you to do a step of illogical obedience to get a supernatural breakthrough that you're actually needing. God will say things like this to you. Shout them lunch. Text that person right now and encourage them. Pray for that person in the shops even though you don't know them. Invite that person to come to carols, even though they might say no. Read, read that book. Serve that person. Join, join that group. Forgive them when they haven't apologised. Bless them even when they don't deserve it. Turn up even when you can't be bothered. 
God often asks you to do things that seem illogical, irrational, and they won't be the very things that you feel like. And this is what God does all of through Scripture. Hit that rock. Move that stone. Throw down that stick. Build something I'm going to call a boat. Go to Nineveh. Walk around that city silently. Find me some fish and some bread. Start a wellness centre. God, God will often ask you to do things. And I'll show you this because I believe next year God wants to do great things in your life, but you have to be prepared to do the things you don't wanna to do to get the very things that you're believing for. I mean, surely there was no donkey shortage where Jesus was. There would have been donkeys in the town he was in. Couldn't he use a local one? But Jesus doesn't just want any donkey. When we go to the books of Mark and Luke, because it talks about this in three chapters of the Bible, Jesus doesn't want just any donkey. He wants a donkey that no one has ridden before. What He's saying is, find me a stubborn donkey. I'd say it a different way, but I'd get in trouble. He's saying, find me an animal that won't be easy to deal with. Find me a person that won't be convenient. Find me something that I can use that no one else has ever been able to tame before. And if you actually read what Matthew says and one of the other Gospels, he actually shows us that they didn't just get one donkey, they actually got two. They would have got the mother, it says, and her colt. They had to go find not only one donkey, but they had to find two donkeys, being sure that one of those donkeys no one had ever ridden before. I wanna show you today that the natural chaos in your life actually is what pushes you into supernatural spaces. And sometimes we feel when God brings chaos, stubbornness, difficulty, and a season that I just can't seem to write out, I wanna show you He's actually positioning you for a supernatural situation. Because if you can sort out your situations naturally, it won't need to be a miracle. And this is not a life that you were meant to control. So if it feels like there is no natural solution, maybe God's may put you in a position for a supernatural miracle and stop bucking and fighting and saying, God, no, I want it to be logical. If it's logical, it cannot be a miracle. See, God wants to invite you to be involved, to have action and make decisions where the unusual changes the usual. God wants to use the unusual in your life to change the usual so that you won't get the credit, so that you create a dependency on a supernatural God and therefore you have to give credit to a supernatural God. See, I believe as we enter into 2023, as we've come out of the last three years, I believe we walk into a fresh season. I've got a sense in my spirit, God's about to reawaken creativity on the inside of some of you. God's called some of you to have kingdom impact and your, your gift has gone dormant and it's been a change of season, but God's awakening a brand new season of influence and impact for a brand new day. I believe that for some of you, that God's calling you to marketplace expansion in this next year. I believe in this next season, we're gonna see a harvest of souls in the church. I believe this is gonna be a season of refreshing and healing. But I wanna tell you, when God wants to do something supernatural, it always comes with a stretch and a challenge. Come on, who wants to see God use them next year? 
Who wants to see God do the supernatural in your life? Who wants to see refreshing and peace and grace walk into your season? Who wants to see your creativity come back? Who wants to see the dreams? I feel that word today, that creativity for some of you. He has given you imagination. He has given you ability and has gone dormant through the last season. And I believe God wants to give it back to you in this next day. But it doesn't just happen because it's logical, easy or convenient. But in fact, God uses the stretch and the challenging donkey things of life to bring in the ease and supernatural seasons that He has for you. Because we serve a God that does not turn up on your time. We serve a Jesus that says, use that stone in front of a giant. We serve a Jesus that says, shout to bring down a city. We serve a Jesus that says, I'm gonna let you wrestle with a stranger for a while. We serve a Jesus that says, I'll give a prophetic word, but I'll wait for silence. But we don't want that Jesus. We want normal. We want controllable. We want predictable and we want safe. But as we go into a brand new year and you start to get a prophetic unction about what God wants to do in your life, as you start to go, God, I wanna dream again. I wanna walk in those realms of ability, marketplace influence, creativity. I want my family to get stronger. I want my marriage to be renewed. I wanna see healing and restoration come to my mind. Can I tell you, you can't stay safe. You have to be willing for Jesus to lead you to do the very things, go to the very places and have the very actions that won't be safe because safe keeps you in the boat. Safe makes, safe makes you run away from your Nineveh calling. Safe makes you not wait on God, but do what Saul did and said, I'm gonna take it into my own hands. Safe makes you keep it for yourself like Ananias and Sapphira. Safe, safe makes you strike to the rock when He says, speak to the rock. So don't be surprised when God wants to take you into a new season, He'll tell you to speak to the rock when you wanna do what you did in the last season. Don't be surprised when God says, step into the river. Don't be surprised when God says, step on the water. Don't be surprised when God says, wash someone's feet. And don't be surprised when God says, go get that donkey. It makes no sense, but it's part of my plan. Are you doing all right? So today, as you go into a new year and maybe you sit frustrated from a difficult year, I wanna tell you how to do the donkey tasks how to do the difficult tasks you don't wanna do and maybe why God allowed you to walk through the difficult seasons you've gone through because at the end of the year, you can either get perspective for where you've been or perspective for where you're going. But either way, God will use the donkeys in your life. Amen? Everyone going, <laughs> Powerful. How to do the donkey tasks in your job for your boss? How to do the donkey tasks for your spouse? How to do the donkey tasks for your church. How to do the donkey tasks for your enemies. How to do the donkey tasks for your friends. How to do the donkey tasks for your kids. Five quick points on how to do this, just from this, this very scripture, which I have loosely linked to the donkey at Bethlehem so it feels like a Christmas story. Here we go. Number one, to do the donkey tasks, you need to do the tasks with no glory. You need to be willing to do the donkey task and get no glory for it. Now this story is mentioned three times, three different books of the Bible. It's important, three times it's mentioned, that's three. But it never mentions the two disciples' names that go to get the donkey. I mean, Andrew, we know, it names him, found the fish and the loaves. Peter, James and John, they got to walk up the mountain, it names them. Mary, well, she got to wash his feet, it names her. 
But these guys didn't, they had the work, they had a donkey task and they didn't even get credit. If it was like the worse the task, the less glory and credit that you actually get. See, Jesus had another 72 interns that even weren't, weren't part of his immediate. I mean, I would have sent them, but it never tells us who they were. I've got a theory who it was. I reckon it was Judas and John. Here's why. Jesus knew Judas was gonna kill him, so he sent him to get the donkey. And John would have loved this job and that would have ticked Judas off. John would have been like, I love that Jesus chose us. This is the best task ever because Jesus is the best ever. Let's go find a donkey. And Judas would have been more and more thinking, I need to kill John too. <laughs> but here's the thing, we, we never get, we ne- you gotta understand, it doesn't matter how long you've been in church, it doesn't matter if you're the boss, it doesn't matter if you're the head of the home, you never graduate from doing the small things. And you never do the small things to get the glory. See, no one's gonna see the devotions you do. No one should necessarily see the acts of kindness that you act on. No one may see the practices and the rehearsals for everyone on the creative team. No one may see how you stay up late preparing. No one may hear the prayers that you pray for them. But you're still called to pray them. You're still called to do them. Because it will result in Jesus getting the glory. Matthew 6 tells us this, Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So number one, when your boss asks you to do a donkey task, when your husband or wife asks you to, when you've got to do the donkey task and you won't tell them, I did the dishes for you. It's never gonna go well because they're gonna be like, well, you ate, you ate as well. Don't, don't bring it up. Don't try and get the credit. Don't serve so that you pass the seas. At the end of the day, all we do, both for those on earth and those in heaven, are not for our glory. And when we don't do this for credit, recognition or position, He gets the glory and that's enough. Amen? So when you go to donkey task, going into next year, knowing that there's gonna be an increased season, a blessing season, a new day, I believe it. How do I know it? Because we can't walk through what we've walked through without there being a harvest on the other side. It just goes against the very principles of the Word of God and the nature of God. So I am an assurance that there are good days coming. So as God then wants to lead you into it, He'll make you do some donkey tasks. Don't do it for the glory, number one. Number two, in order to do that, you need to walk with humility. Humility. Could you imagine the conversation between the two of those guys walking down the road? Again, if it was us, it would be easy to go, Jesus is always sending us on weird missions. Well, I don't think, I think, I think God gets a kick out of this. I think he loves making you do things you don't understand. I think that's in the nature. I see that all the time. He made us go produce a coin with Caesar's face on it. Why did he do that? Remember that time at the wedding when he made us get around the circle and we had to carry those heavy jugs of water and then pour them while they were water, hoping they'd become wine? I mean, why is Jesus doing all the exciting work and we've got to do all the dirty work, like trying to get everyone in groups and hand out the food? How come we can't be like, Peter, do the cool things that walk on water? Here's the reality. Our inter- we, I'm gonna watch our internal conversation because he's often asking me to fast, to stretch and to go without us having understanding and that's okay because he is God and I am not. 
And God will all through your life keep on bringing the humility test into your life. You never graduate from being tested in humility. He, Jesus' ultimate thing is that Philippians tells us that he didn't see equality with God as something to cling to, but he humbled himself and came a bondservant, uh, giving his life on a, dying a sinner's death on the cross. Uh, we, if Jesus had to do it, we will constantly have to do it until we're in eternity like Him. Humility through all of the Scripture is God's foundation for everything. And it's the test that God will bring in your life over and over again from the least to the greatest. And some of us are going, God, why are you making me feel this way again? Well, we know it's from the crushing of the grapes that we get the wine. And it's the oil that comes from the squeezing of the olives. But we just have to be humble enough to wait it out. And I believe the anxiety and stress of life diminishes when pride leaves us and that becomes a deliberate choice on going and going and, and God will do that through allowing you to have the donkey tasks. James 4, 6 says this, but He gives us more grace and that is why Scripture says God opposes the proud and gives favour to the humble. Little do these disciples know that Jesus would use this to ride in on Palm Sunday which would lead Jesus to the next act of humility, which was to wash the disciples' feet that had to walk on the dirty road to get the donkey. They had to walk the road, but Jesus would wash their feet. Jesus had to keep passing the humility test too. So if God gives you the potential of breakthrough and the promise of breakthrough, which He always does, it often will be on the other side of a donkey task, which means you won't get the glory and will be a test of your humility. Number three, if you wanna do the donkey tasks, it required illogical obedience. Illogical obedience. If you want breakthrough in your life, you have to be willing on the other side of this breakthrough, you won't get the glory. You have to be willing to allow God to humble you again and again. And then God will often require illogical obedience. These disciples were logical people. We read the Scripture and don't see, the, don't see the internal conversation, but they were just like you and I. If it was me, I would have said, Jesus, I'm gonna go in the town we're in and I'm gonna hire you a local donkey. And if I had to go to another town, I wouldn't have got a donkey, I would have got a horse. It's a much more noble animal. If, if Jesus said to me, get me a donkey, I would have said, no, you are not worthy of a donkey, you are worthy of a horse. That is a warrior's animal. In fact, some of us that are much more logical would have got a camel because that would have had much longer endurance. And we would have been saying, Jesus, no, what you're asking for is illogical. But God actually wants you to be willing to not get the glory, to be humble, and to have illogical obedience. Some of us are so stuck in logic that we're not allowing God's larger perspective to take us to a place of supernatural breakthrough that defies logic that gives Him glory. Replace for a moment the word donkey for car. Like put this in today's terms. Jesus is saying to these boys, I want you to go into a town not far from here and I want you to find a car that's never been driven and it's going to be parked by the side of the road and I want you to bring that car to me. And if that car, so the owner of that car says, what are you doing with my car? You say, I'm taking it to the master, but don't worry, I'll bring it back. In today's terms, this is called a carjacking. And we would have said, this is unlike you, Jesus. This makes no sense. Is this a test at the last moment? Is He gonna provide a supernatural car just like He did another day? 
just like He did in other times gone by. No, Jesus is asking them to do something that made no sense to them. And this is what God will do to you. Pray for that person. I don't know them. Pray for them. But they, but it's weird. Pray for them. But I, but they, I don't know what they need prayer for. Pray for them. I don't know what to say. Pray for them. God, it's illogical. But it's on the other side of illogical obedience we often see Jesus get the glory. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, Obedience is far better than sacrifice. See, Jesus asked for a donkey. It's not worthy of a king. But he had ulterior motives. That the prophecies years gone by, I think from Zechariah, said that he would enter a, a peaceful prince into the town of Jerusalem. He didn't come to be a warrior king. He came to reconcile us to the Father. And therefore, he had a greater purpose that went beyond their logic because they thought Jesus should come and strike down their enemies, come as a warrior reigning king. When Jesus' mission, he already knew who he was. He had already overcome the enemy and therefore his mission was in peace to come and reconcile us to the Father. He didn't need a horse according to their logic. He needed a donkey according to kingdom logic. Can I say, when God wants to do something great in your, your life, do not limit God to your limit thinking. Do not restrict God to your restricted thinking, but instead trust God has a higher perspective. And when you follow and obey, He will reveal all of His plans, if He is willing, in due course, because that gives Him the glory, not me the glory. Amen. So in your home, in your family, at that frustrating Christmas dinner, when you go into work next year, when you're going into the next season of your marriage, the next season of parenting, God will require some donkey tasks that on the other side, He gets the glory. So you don't get the glory, so that you live humble, so that you live by obedience, not your own logic. Number four, these disciples, they required faithfulness till the end. Everyone say, faithfulness to the end. Mark 11 verse three says this, then the Lord has need of it. This is what Jesus is telling the boy, these boys to say. The Lord has need of this donkey and He will send it back here immediately. So what is Jesus saying to the disciples? He's saying, you're going to borrow this donkey. He's saying, you're gonna borrow this donkey. You're going to return this animal to its human owner. And here's the news. Jesus wasn't planning of actually returning the donkey to the owner guess who had to return the donkey to the owner? The two disciples that had to go get the donkey in the first place. I've looked at where Bethpage is. I've looked at where that nearby village is. And I've looked at where Jerusalem is. They would have had to walk because they didn't have their own donkey, two kilometres to the nearby village. They then would have had to bring that donkey that's never been ridden, stubborn, and its mother back two kilometres to Jesus. Jesus then had to go four kilometres to Jerusalem. Then those boys, sorry, six kilometres to Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem is four kilometres from that next village. They had to bring the donkey back to the village and then walk another four kilometres back to meet Jesus again. It's like 20 flipping kilometres for this task. It wasn't just walk two k's down the road. It was walk two k's down the road, two k's back, six kilometres to Jerusalem, four kilometres back to the village, and then four kilometres back to where Jesus is again. Here's the deal. They did the task, but Jesus wanted them to do more. 
Because it wasn't actually about the task, it was about faithfulness. Here's the deal. In your workplace, those extra kilometres are unfair. They are. Sometimes in your marriage, those extra kilometres are unfair. They are. Sometimes in church, those extra services or serving feels a little bit unfair. But here's the deal. If they didn't finish the job off, what a bad representation of Jesus. Because they didn't go and say, I need it. They said, the master requires it. So he can't walk into Jerusalem and everyone stand there and declare, here is the Son of God, but a man in another village say he was a thief. You see, how we are faithful in the task God has given us is actually not just a representation of us, it is a representation of Him. So when you're in a workplace and they know you are a follower of Jesus, if you are faithful with the task you are given is not actually a representation of your work ethic, it's a representation of the Son of God that you represent. And how we are in our marriages and how we are with our kids and how we are with our friends and how we are with our enemies is not just a representation of my mood, my emotions, my temperament, my feelings, my personality. It is actually a representation of who Jesus is because till this day I have found Jesus keeps on giving me donkey tasks and Jesus keeps giving me donkey bosses. Not here, Pastor Ashley. Jesus keeps giving me donkey situations and He will keep doing that until one day I see my humble King. But until that day, I realise I I am not just representing me, I am representing Him. So I do what He has called me to do, faithful until the end. Amen. So hear this. Hopefully this helps. Some of you are going, oh, that's what God was doing this year through that annoying donkey. And some people are thinking about you saying, oh, that's what God did through that donkey too. And he'll keep doing it. And I just think this is our last, just normal, next week's Christmas day, 9am. <laughs> oh, what a service. This is our normal just church service for the year. I believe God in his character, goodness and faithfulness is going to return and then sum everything that the enemy stole in this next season but we think it's gonna come on a silver platter. But he actually does it through the very donkey tasks and donkey situations that we walk through. Amen? So the small ones matter to him. I just found in Scripture, the small things matter to him as much as the big things. So those receipts you don't wanna put in, they matter to him. The way you clean up and pack up, it matters to him. The reports you do and the time you rock up, it matters to him. It's only a couple of minutes. You're representing Him. So as we go in, and I believe He wants to pour out the donkey tasks, the donkey people, the donkey jobs, the donkey situations, the donkey uncle. We don't get glory. It is a test of humility. He requires obedience over logic and we have to be willing to be faithful to the end. The last thing. Are you doing all right today? Just simple, but not simple to outwalk. Let me show you this, number five. They had to unlock it. They had to untie it. And maybe just the keys can come. They had to untie it. 
through all of these gospel stories, when Jesus asked the disciples to go and find the donkey, he gives this specific instruction, untie it, untie it. Which means this donkey was actually not just roaming around, this donkey was tied up. Can I say much of the resource that you need in your life is actually tied up. Often the answers that you're believing for are tied up. And I believe we have to have the faith to loosen what God has given to us. Jesus told the disciples about a donkey that was already prepared for them. He actually made a promise to them, when you get to this city, this village, what I have promised will be waiting for you. But it wouldn't just follow them. It wouldn't just appear to them. They would have to recognise it and untie it. You see, the answers from God, I believe, are always there. But you have to have the faith to recognise it, faith it, declare it, and release it. You see, God often gives us promises, and that is revelation. God gives us a revelation of His goodness and promises that He has for your life. But what we have to do is in prayer and in faith, we have to uncover it. See, often as humans, we believe because God has given us a promise, that means He is going to bring the promise to me. See, God promised the boys a donkey, but He never was going to deliver the donkey to them. He actually chose them and He won't choose everyone to have the same journey as them. He won't choose everyone to have the same journey as you, but everyone will go on a journey. He actually required them to believe His Word, go on a journey, find it in faith and untie the miracle. I believe that God gives us a revelation of His promises, His goodness and His faithfulness, but we have to be willing to do the donkey task of walking faithfully where He told us to go, being willing to go in the journey in humility, saying, God, not for my glory, but Yours, but I will keep on going, I will keep on searching, I will keep on looking until I find what You've promised me. But just because You've seen Your miracle, doesn't mean you have your miracle. It now requires supernatural faith that comes through prayer, that comes through the Word, that comes through the community of believers that says, I am going to unlock what has been given to me in the heavenlies. See, I believe open doors have been given to you, but you just might need to unlock them. And sometimes we're sitting and waiting for God to unlock them, but He's promised you something. So you have to be willing to find it and in faith, untie it yourself. To loosen it, to pray it in, to disciple them through. Here's what, here's what I think is amazing. Jesus knew the precise location of where that donkey would be waiting. And He sent the disciples to that exact location. And He sent them to that exact donkey. It was waiting for them. Here's what I believe. He knows the exact location of your breakthrough. He knows the exact position of that answer you've been believing for. 
He knows the exact timing of the, of, the, of, the, of the supernatural release of the provision, the healing, the answer, whatever it is you're waiting for. The visa, that salvation moment, that job, that home. God knows the exact location. God knows the exact vehicle. God knows the exact timing, but He expects you to go the journey and trust wherever He sends you. Maybe next year, God does have promises and creativity and influence and breakthrough and healing, but maybe it doesn't just come looking for you. Maybe you have to be faithful in the donkey task, in the donkey situation, in the donkey circumstances you find yourself in, but you keep on looking for that promise. You keep looking for that answer. You keep looking for that healing. You keep looking for that breakthrough and you just keep untying it in faith. You keep untying it in the Word of God. You keep untying it in declaration. You keep untying in obedience and it will be yours. So let me flip it just for one moment as we finish. Now I'm not trying to suggest you and I are donkeys. But I wanna submit maybe that our relationship to this story might be like this. Many of us are actually tied up. And we are called to be the very vehicle through which Jesus gets glorified. And maybe where you're stuck is where you actually need to get set free from. And I believe this is true for us that are looking for an answer that brings God glory. But I also believe that you and I are meant to be the vehicle through which, the life through which, the family through which, the employee through which Jesus gets the glory. So as we get to the end of yet another year, I have to ask myself and I ask you, am I the donkey that's stuck? And do I need to get alongside someone that can untie me? Do I need to get a friend that will pray with me? Do I need to get around the Word of God that will loosen me? Do I need to get a prayer partner that will stand with me? Do I need to realise that maybe I've been stuck here for too long and I've actually become the donkey, that I was once searching for the donkey, the answer, the vehicle that gave glory to God. And on the journey through pain and difficulty and frustration, I've actually become the donkey. I've become the one that's stuck. I've become the one that's stubborn. I've become the one that He can't use. But maybe it's my season to loosen myself. Maybe it's my season to get set free. Maybe it's my season to walk in a new day through which Jesus can enter with me into a new season in which I am a witness for Him. He can minister to others and He gets all the glory. See, this is the thing. Just because they loosened the donkey, didn't make it easy. From where they were, Jerusalem was uphill. I mean, as soon as you get your breakthrough, now you've got an uphill journey. What am I saying? Life is tough and life will be tough. But what Phil said before, God is good and He knows the very miracle, the very answer and the very thing that will give you the 
grace, the healing, the provision, the thing that you're believing for, and it will be the very vehicle that brings Him glory. And this is why you need faith. You need faith in His Word. You need faith through prayer. You need faith in His strength because He'll never give you something you can't handle, but I think He won't always make it easy either. But the donkey gives Jesus a platform and so does your life. So sometimes we look back at the end of a year and we go, God, that made no sense. And as we stand on the precipice of a brand new year, I believe while we're believing for the promise and the breakthrough, some things are gonna happen that make no sense. But if God is good, and if He is true to His Word, and if you can just believe if He knows where a donkey is, does He not know where your healing is? Does He not know where that job is? Does He not have that breakthrough? Does He not have that salvation for your child? Of course He does. But be willing to trust Him. Be willing to be humble. To be willing to not get the glory. Be willing to be faithful. Be willing to untie yourself. And on the other side of that illogical obedience, on the other side of trusting in prayer, on the other side of seeing it all the way through, I I believe that you can see a miracle that doesn't give you the glory, but gives Him the glory, that they would realise He is the Son of God. And in the process, you can be blessed, you can be closer, you can be more trusted, and you can walk into all that God has for your life. In Jesus' Name, Amen. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you that even before you knew about Him, He loved you and He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. 
You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.